to the attack. Here's Fernandez. Tees this up for Luquinhas and a goal! Luquinhas to give the Red Bulls a 1-0 advantage. Fernandez, he's had a fair amount of the ball for the Red Bulls early in the match. Able to link up here and stepping up Christian Casares Jr. with a shot. Saying he gets his own rebound and buries it past Galese. This could put the proceedings to bed. Lewis Morgan, 3-0 New York. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Orlando Soccer Show, where today, oh boy, we get to talk about that 3-0 loss to the New York Red Bulls that Orlando City had. And, better news, we get to talk about the 1-1 draw for the Orlando Pride on the road to finish out their Challenge Cup, and a penalty shootout win for OCB. So, in order of terrible to better, that is the way we're going to go. So, uh, welcome to a new week of very exciting news happening in Orlando soccer, which we'll get to as we go. But first, my name is Austin David. With me is Kyle Foley. Kyle, um, did did you watch the game this past weekend? I unfortunately did. Uh, I picked a hell of a season to make sure I watched all the games. Yeah, yeah it's that—that that is a way to put it. That—that that is right out of the commercial for Pepto Bismol because I think fans needed that after watching that game. It was a three nothing loss to the New York Red Bulls, their third straight loss to the team that plays in Jersey, and. It was a, not just loss, but a complete domination of Orlando City, who had just come off a 2-1 win over the Tampa Bay Rowdies, as well as a 2-0 win over Columbus. Now, if you look at where Columbus is in the standings right now, you can say, well, maybe that wasn't the greatest of wins, because they're currently 12th, and they just traded their starting starter uh, starting striker, Giassi Zardes. And now you look at Orlando, they've lost 3 nothing against the Red Bulls, who, uh, let's face it, Orlando has bad, bad history against them. It, it just seems like they have Orlando's number every time. Also, New York, very good on the road this year. They're undefeated. Not only that, but they actually have the best start to a road season I think in, I want to say years, like, I don't know if it's even forever, but if it's, it is definitely notable, like the amount of, of time that it has been since, um, since they lost. Let me double check this here really quick. Um, they're the third ever MLS team to win each of their first four road matches of a season and the first to do so since the Galaxy in 1998. So they're road warriors. They're pretty good on the road. And Orlando, this year, has not been good at home. They're 2-3-0 and oh at home. Now, now, I put it to you this way. So the three losses is the uh, is actually more than the amount that they lost last year. They lost two total games last year at home. They now have three in 2022. Seems like a not great statistic there, if I were it to... It is not. <laughs> if I were to take a gander at it, I would say not ideal. It was it was one of the worst games in recent memory that I've watched. Stinky. Like, so like I'm looking at the stats because obviously Orlando, you don't need the stats to know that Orlando City was dominated, right? And so the first thing that sticks out to me is the massive difference in possession, sixty four percent in favor of Orlando. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as again, if you didn't watch the game and you just pull up a stat sheet, you're going to look at that very first stat because it's going to be the first thing you get, and you're going to go, wow, a pretty decent game. Orlando looked pretty good, maybe. Maybe it's, maybe it's you know, it's it's a pretty, pretty big gap between two teams towards the top of the table. Yeah. Then I look at things like, you know, the the one of the, the next number that really stood out to me was the, the passing number, right? Orlando City, 81% of their passes were accurate compared to Red Bulls 64%. And the the raw numbers on that is 365 accurate passes for Orlando and 155 for the Red Bulls. So that makes you think, wow, like Orlando had possession 
Very, very accurate passing. Must have been a great game. And then I look at the shots. Orlando had three total shots, not a single one on goal. Red Bulls had 17 shots, <laughs> with three of them going in the back of the net for a good old 2.29 expected goals, or it could be somewhere around that range if you're using a different website. But, hoof, that is awful. I have never seen a team with that much of the ball look that lost. Yeah, it... Uh, it was bad. Uh, everybody that I have talked to from the team since the game have said that it was worst performance of the year, worst performance in, in the last couple years, maybe. I think Mauricio Pereira, after the game, said in Spanish, there are no positives to take away. It was the worst game of the season because in the last two at home that we lost, we played good soccer and played well. In this game, we played bad, we didn't create chances, and they scored three goals. But the good thing about this sport is that we can always respond, and that's what we'll be doing on next Saturday. So, that is the good news. They can respond on Saturday. But, uh, we're going to quickly talk about just, just kind of this game overall. Like you mentioned, the three shots to their 17. Bad. Do you know their expected goals? Do, do you want to take a guess at Orlando City's expected goals for well, I mean, this I've, game. I mean, I've got, I mean, I've got, I've got that all pulled up. Like I, I mentioned, <laughs> New York's expected goals. So uh, yeah. Do you want to know Orlando's but, expected goals though? I mean, on this site, it's like point twelve. I don't know. I don't know where you're, what you're on, but I'm assuming it's somewhat similar. Yeah. So the, this is the official like Opta stats. It's it's point twelve. So yes, you are correct in that. Or point one, if you wanted to just kind of round it up. Three shots, zero on target. Best chance of the game that they actually had to score was, I think, a Rodrigo Schlegel header in the box off a set piece. So, it was a game to forget. And everyone yeah. played poorly. Yeah, this is Everybody. true. It was just, it was, it was a game that you're just going to forget and move on now we can mention some guys who just just had very poor games um you know Juan and Jao Moutinho were both equally kind of bad in the wings um Moutinho got better in the second half when they moved him higher up the field but it was still kind of painful to watch some of those turnovers it was just like a lack of confidence from some of these guys a lack of like willingness to play the game they were just kind of out there to kick the ball around and it showed for a lot of the game where they just looked like they were there to be there and not actually physically be there here is the other thing in back-to-back -back games now they started with that 4-2-3-1 formation and in the last two games they've had to go with a three-back placing their only other center back on the roster, Thomas Williams, on the pitch. Now, he started the game against the Rowdies, and they brought in Janssen to, to kind of shore up the defense and also push Moutinho and Juan higher up the field. And by the way, Juan also came into that game. But in this game, Janssen and Schlegel were in, and they brought in Williams. Uh, the first two minutes, that did not work out well because they conceded right after halftime to Christian Caceres Jr., who got behind the defense and scored. And at that point, it was 2 nothing, one nothing. you know, maybe with the formation the way it was, could have been better. Um, and, and to be fair, to their credit, they played better in the second half. It still wasn't good, though. And, that, and that's the thing. There was just so much that they needed to do that they didn't do and it looked bad in doing that. They, you know, they brought in Sebas, they brought in Thomas Williams, they brought in Benji, they brought in Vanderwater, who, I mean, none of these guys really made a difference. Thomas did play well. Like again, this was his first like time against an MLS team in a proper MLS game that wasn't just like you're up to nothing and you're, you know, you're playing a minute. Like you're, that that was really Thomas Williams's MLS experience thus far. He played a minute against the Columbus crew. 
This time he actually played a full 45. And yeah, he had he had a bad start to it. But he had an 80% passing accuracy. He didn't he put a foot wrong. And for a 17-year-old defender, that's something you can work with. Now here's the other thing. Thomas Williams currently with the U20 national team. There's a possibility he won't be back before the game. Which means Orlando City will not have a backup center back heading into Saturday. And if things go bad, like they did against the Red Bulls, they don't have another option. Technically, they could place Kyle Smith there, but eh. I don't know how you confident you'd be in him playing as a center back. Maybe they sign Brandon Hackenberg for a game. He's an option. You know, maybe they bring one of the other guys in in MLS next come up as like a you know hardship signing or something. I really don't know. It's going to be interesting this weekend, though. The guys had good energy today at training. I think that they should bounce back. In theory, they will bounce back. They're playing against Charlotte, who are an expansion team by trade, but have had some pretty good results so far this season. You know, they're they're they got ten points so far this year. Like they're not they're not a pushover like everyone thought they were going to be, including their head coach, who literally said we're fucked at the beginning of the year. So I think that there's a possibility for Charlotte to to be competitive, and I think they could give Orlando, depending on how Orlando comes out, a tough time. Now, Carol Swiderski, their leading goal scorer, he's got four goals in eight games played. Kyle, do you know who Orlando City's top goal scorer is so far this season? Uh, Pato. Do you want to know how many goals Pato has this year? Two. Do you know who else has two goals this year? Oh, come on. You're making me do a lot of work. Um, um, How many other players? Just just think. I don't know. One or two? Two. two. Junior okay. Urso and Urchon Kara. I was going to say, Kara was the one I was thinking. I couldn't think of who, who would be the other one. but Yeah. So Kara actually scored two goals in his last three games. Yeah, well, that's the only reason I knew his because they were like they had just happened. Now, Orlando, in total, has 10 goals. Charlotte has eight, with four of them coming from one player, and the other four coming from a multitude of other places. At least Orlando has a spreading out of goals, you know, at the very least. You know what they say about Orlando? They really know how to spread them out, the goals, that is. <sighs> I, I, yep, the goals. So anyway, Charlotte, you know, they uh, like I said, they've gotten some very good results so far this year. They beat New England, which was a big shock to most people. They beat Atlanta, which, well, that wasn't as much of a shock. And they were competitive against Philly, I guess. They, they got beat 2-0, and they beat Cincinnati. I, I really don't know what to say about this team. They're weird, and they're very new. There is still a lot to try and figure out with them. Now, I will say, I think most teams in the league right now kind of fall in that, like, I don't know what to say about them category. Because it's like you have teams that that started off strong and Mm. then completely dropped off. Mm. You've got teams that did the opposite. You have teams like New York who are uh, unbeatable on the road, but god-awful at home. Like, it's, it's just a weird, it's been a weird start to the season. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't know if there's been really like I'm I'm trying to think I'm looking at the table now. I'm not sure there's really anything that's been I mean I guess Philadelphia is still being good and being pretty consistently good. Um and, and LAFC. So I'll give Philly and LAFC are really the only two teams that are like not uh like they're just doing what was expected of them. Everything else is kind of like we're not quite sure there's there's some where it's like okay they're way worse than we thought. There's others where it's like okay are they actually good or is it just early in the season? Just weird. Just a weird start to the year. It's a weird league. 
Austin yeah. FC is second in the West. Mm-hmm. And they'd be first in the East. Yeah. What a world we live in. And and the crazy thing is, like, their first couple games, they scored, like, four goals each. Like, yeah, they, no, they, they, have, have a... they have the most goals in the league, Kyle. Yeah, no, it's... it's... And that's not the team people would expect to have the most goals in the league. No. It's, it's wild. It's a, it's a wild year. Oh, yeah. But Berto and, and Orlando, going back to that, because like, some of that ties in with, with the stuff with Orlando. Like Orlando have been very hit or miss. Mm. I still think, even though we're, what, nine games in now, it's still, you know, there's still still... A good chunk of change left to play, not, and and the team's in a good position. Like, I don't think there's ever been a year where we've sat here, you know, almost two months in and gone, or is it is it over two months? I don't know. But we started at the end of February, so we're we're yes, getting close. It's been like two months, but we've never sat at this point. Like usually by now, it's like either the team is getting off to like a really hot start and we're like, Oh God, is this going to last? Or are they going to collapse in the summer? Which they do mm. uh, when that has happened. Or it's like, Hey, you know, things are kind of inconsistent, but this is the first time at least that I can recall where despite the inconsistencies and the inability to pinpoint just how good Orlando are like they're third in the East. Yeah. But that's not by much. No, like the, it's the not. The difference is, is different. Right. So like, it's 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 one point. It's a it's a it's a three point difference, uh, between all the 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 next three teams behind them, and then New York has two games in hand, and they're four points behind. So like it is mm-hmm. enough that a couple things change, and Orlando can be sitting down in seventh. But like, still in a playoff position, and and for me, when I look at Orlando City, I look at the fact that there is a lot of potential. There is a lot of good that that is capable of happening we just haven't seen it happen consistently enough we've had some really good games there's been some games that have not been great but our big takeaway throughout this whole season has been just the the offense is still not clicking the way it needs to be Mm. and i think that is something with the player every player at at one point or another that has been brought in or that is being utilized in in this team has has performed well it just hasn't been consistent team like complete team performances it and it's it's so weird like going off of that game against columbus where they had that amazing team goal that Kara scored and it was like wow they're finally clicking and then their next league game it's like wow they're really not clicking like to go from one extreme to another is just kind of confusing yeah, but it, honestly, I mean, and it's a little shocking because there's not that many new, there's not that many changes to the team in terms of in terms of the roster. But the the like the new additions with Torres and and Cara, like those are massive roles that they are here to play, right? They yeah. they're not just there's a they're lot not being just, asked like they're they're re- replacing Luis Nani and Daryl DK, like they're they're not replacing no name players who didn't really contribute, and so. It's one of those things that I look at it and I go, this is going, there is a chance it doesn't ever click and it's just always bad. But based on what we've seen so far, the the click has happened in moments. It's just not been consistent. And the more things get going, the more that that's going to start to come together. And so the team has put themselves in a very good position being in third place in the east right now like you said it's a close race but still that's a good position to be in there have been some good performances i do think that this is this is probably if you're gonna have struggles if you're gonna have early season worries this is the best position you can be going forward to to build out of those like get this gives the most reason for optimism going forward the way the team is right now I would agree with that. And and also, I would like to bring up 2017 Orlando City, who were on an absolute tear through the month of April, where they won uh, four of their five games and then proceeded to drop almost every single one in the month of May. So when I say this, in that one game or even a number of games don't really matter in the grand scheme of things, they really don't. 
Like yeah, you go on a, you go on at, a really gotta, good run. You know, you, you, can, a, you can lose three nothing and then win five nothing. No one will remember that three nothing loss. It all matters on how you respond in this game, and Charlotte is a good enough team where you can have a good response, and it will actually look and matter in that respect. Yeah. Now I'm gonna throw some very fun stats your way. I feel like anytime you to, say anytime you say you have something fun for me, it's never it's not fun. fun. It's you're never like fun. you're like the IRS. <laughs> Hey, guys, I got some fun tax information for you. Here's how much money you owe us. Hit me with your your not fun fun facts. Orlando City has only won five of its last 17 all-time matches against expansion sides, including uh, losing its last two, which was a 2-1 defeat to Miami and a 3-2 defeat to Nashville, both in 2020. Yeah, but I feel like the Miami one doesn't count because that was was when Miami was cheating to put their roster together. So in my Fair. personal record book, that is not a real loss. Fair. Okay, here's another fun stat for you. Orlando City's 3-0 loss to the New York Red Bulls on Sunday was their third defeat in their last four home matches. The Lions had only lost three of their previous 28 regular season games dating back to the start of 2020. 15 wins, 10 draws, 3 losses up until this year i give you a can i give you a bit of a take that might anger some listeners but i think is 100 percent accurate and correct because it's coming out of my mouth say it and we'll find out the emptiness of the stadium is contributing to those losses at home wow i i'm not saying i don't understand why people aren't going uh, i know like i get it to a certain extent, like as someone who, who, who doesn't go to a, a ton of games, but even even when I look and see, like the the wall is like everyone's in the, the middle sections, and you you can see the two open bleacher sides on the end. Yeah. So okay. So this is this is actually an interesting topic that I kind of want to go into more. And and to your point, like attendance numbers have been down progressively over the last couple of years. Now the pandemic is obviously attributed to that. Uh, and we also haven't hit the peak summer months where kids are out of school. But the last game had 16,000 people, and that's that's low for this time of year. And I was talking to some folks within the club, and they're, you know, even outside of the club, like some of the news folks, they're like, what, what's going on? Like, why why, why does it feel like the interest is, has waned? And I, for those people listening, I want all of you to chime in as, as to your opinions as well, because I, I genuinely don't know. Like, I don't know why people have, have kind of dwindled over the years, especially when the team has made the playoffs over the last two. You would well, think that, was, that with success, it would bring in more people to watch games. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's kind of where I'm coming at it. Like, I, I think the atmosphere is a, is a negative factor for the club, but I don't know why it is the way that it is. I don't think it's because fans don't care about the team. I want to be very clear. I don't think that... Well, the, the 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 hardcore true fans—they're always going to show up no matter what. You don't have to worry about them. It's the casuals, the ones that are going to show up for an occasional game or buy a ticket. Very very rarely, those are the ones you're like, okay, why aren't we reaching you? Like the club has got to be saying to themselves, what do we need to do to get you to a game to fill the stadium? Like what do we need to do on our part to market this to you? And I think that. It's interesting talking to some of the folks within the club right now because they're still in transition. Uh, Jared Dillon, the president uh, of the club now, he has only been there since late January. So he's still getting his feet wet. He's still learning as he goes. He's still trying to figure out Orlando as a soccer market and Orlando City as a team. I don't think that that's a thing that, that can really be used when talking about attendance numbers because like butts and seats is like sports team ownership 101 like that that to me is not a thing that's complicated if you're trying to figure out the rules of the league and you're or you're trying to figure out competitive balance or you're trying to figure out you know even just no no, no it's, sc- it's not scouting networks and all that no. like those things are more complicated i no, no, no but but listen like just being able to get butts in your seats is a thing that like you don't need time to adapt to being with a new organization to be able to figure out. So I, I don't know if that's it's, it's it's not necessarily that it's it's coming up with a marketing plan. 
that is not just whatever they did last year. Like something new and original. You have to be able to know your market and your audience to be able to market to them properly. And if you're still learning about the market and the audience, because let's face it, Orlando is somewhat unique in, in, in its audience and its its market because of, you know, especially from a guy like Jared who's, who's coming in from a different sport, a different way of marketing. Like it's it's going to be different and you have to be able to figure that out. Now, am I saying that that's the, the main contributing factor? Absolutely not. You know, like you said, there's other ways of going about it and there's a multitude of ways that you can figure out how to get butts and seats, but it is a contributing factor. What I'm trying to figure out is what are the other contributing factors keeping people from the stadium? Fair? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. Okay. But it is something I, I am genuinely curious to hear from from folks. Like, what what is keeping you from the stadium this year? Um, is it because Orlando's lost? Is it because of certain things with the new ownership? Is it is it because of your just general malaise with the team? Genuine, genuine curiosity here. So, uh Drop me a line or drop the show a line on Twitter and uh, let us know. All right. Last couple here stats for you before we get into the Orlando Pride. Um, the 3 nothing defeat to the Red Bulls on Sunday marked just the third time Orlando City failed to score in its last 33 home matches. They went consecutive home games without scoring in its last two home matches of the 2017 season. Now, this is another opportunity to not have that happen, but, well, we all remember 2017. And now here's the other thing. Charlotte, surprisingly, has been the second most accurate shooting team in MLS this season. 41% of its shots have been on target. They've also had 40% of their shots from outside the box hit the target, which is the best in the league, and 15% above the league average of 25%. So they're they're almost what like one in four shots from outside the box are on target. Uh just because I'm curious about this cuz I I don't have those the numbers in front of me but are are they comparable to other te- is Charlotte comparable to other teams in the league when it comes to the amount of shots in general too or is it or could it just be that they're more selective with their shots? That is a good question. I know I know Austin leads the league in in basically every shooting statistic. But in terms of total shots, I don't know. I mean cuz if you're if you're only going to have, you know, 3 shots on target in a game, which which is a pretty I mean, So that's okay, so they've had 42 total shots on target out of 102. Which is okay. Uh, 102 is more than Orlando. Okay. 11th in the league in terms of total shots taken. And in terms of shots on target, they're currently sixth. Those two square with each other, I think. Being the only other better, the only other better team that has a better shooting percentage is Toronto, but they've also had the least amount of shots in the league. Well, yeah, and that's where it gets to usually the most accurate shooting team also has the fewest amount of shots. Right, but the thing with Charlotte is they're not the worst shooting team. They're one of the top 15. They've taken more shots than Orlando City has, and they've had more on target than Orlando City has. Something to keep an eye out. Pedro Galese may be busy. I mean, that's no different than any other game, (laughs) unfortunately. Yeah, well, no, the defense has been better at times. Well, yes, you know. Yeah, they're Good also missing too. Antonio Carlos, who makes a big difference. Yeah, it does. <laughs> pretty, pretty big one. Yeah. Okay. With that, I think we'll go ahead and move on from Orlando City. They play Saturday at seven o'clock at Exploria Stadium. So we'll move on to the Orlando Pride, who had a one-one draw against Gotham FC this past weekend. Their game was. It, it was, that's that's the best way I can put it. It was, they they scored first. They conceded a penalty, which may or may not have been a penalty. It was, no, it was probably a penalty. And that was it. That That's literally, like, there, there's nothing else to talk about from that game. Gunny Onsdutter scored. There was a, a two handfuls worth of players out for Orlando. They're hoping to get everybody back. But as of right now, 
uh, still officially injured. But it seems like Gotham and, and Orlando are on the very kind of similar wavelengths when it comes to their uh, abilities right now. Like expected goals was 1.95 for Gotham, 1.37 for Orlando Pride. They had almost the same amount of shots, shots on target, shot accuracy. Like they're very, very even down the line. And this was an away game for the Pride. So all things considered... It's something to build on if you're Orlando. The other thing to build on is the production of Kaylee Collins, their technically rookie goalkeeper. This was her first ever match as a professional, and she came up big. I was I was impressed with her general saves, her abilities. Like I, I thought that she handled herself well and you know, I don't. I don't want to say like, oh, she's the starter while Aaron McLeod is still out, but she's done better than Anna Morehouse has done thus far in the Challenge Cup. And having talked to a number of different people, she certainly seems like a better option right now than Anna. Anna may be more experienced. She may have more time playing overseas as well as, well, just as a professional in general. But Kaylee. Like they saw something in her when they drafted her. Of course, it was Mark Skinner that drafted her. But Collins played at USC. Amanda Cromwell coached at UCLA. They've seen a lot of her. They know what she's about. And I think that she might get another look in the future. Whether it is this weekend against Gotham, I don't know. But I think that it's something to think about. I think Aaron McLeod is the de facto number one based on how she's played in the past. But I think the number two could very much be in contention. But as of right now, Aaron's out. Job's up for grabs. Also, shout out to Carrie Abello, who got her first start as a pro after performing very well in the second half of the game against uh, North Carolina. She showed something that the coaching staff said, okay, you know what? You've earned your your place in the starting lineup. Let us see how you do. And she did well. To her credit, she she was playing a bit more advanced as a uh, a player where she's usually played either as a center back or a left back. But she handled herself well. She didn't look overmatched. She created chances. And I think she could see some minutes going forward. So with that, and we could talk about some of the other players that kind of stood out, but I, I think that, in all honesty, there's only so much you can take away from these kind of games where they had nothing on the line. Once we see them in action in the regular season, I think you'll get a better idea of kind of where this team is at. Now to the big news for the Orlando Pride. This past Tuesday, they made an announcement, and it was a big announcement. Over July 4th weekend, July 3rd to be specific, instead of playing at Exploria Stadium, they will be playing at the Daytona International Speedway as part of Daytona Soccer Fest. Now, Daytona Soccer Fest was supposed to happen in 2021. Pandemic kind of killed the vibe for that, so there was no... Uh, possibility to have it they delayed it to 2022 and now they are having two colombian teams a legends game chance the rapper and then as the nightcap to finish it all off orlando pride versus racing louisville now this is something very unique because when you get a big name like chance the rapper to be basically your pre-game concert certainly raises some eyebrows playing at daytona international speedway which is just absolutely massive is also going to raise some eyebrows now what the big news was is that with this you know this this stadium seats a hundred and one thousand people if you fill it out properly Will there be 101,000 people there? No, they're not going to fill out the entire stadium because it, you won't be able to see the game if you get to the very ends where the track is. 
But you could potentially see the NWSL record for attendance broken for this game. That is an extremely optimistic take, and I am jealous of your ability to have that much optimism. Based on tickets distributed. That's, well, that's cheating. Because <laughs> you know they're going to hand out tickets to it. In order to go see this game, you must buy a day two pass for the event. You can't just buy a ticket to the game. You can't give out tickets. However, uh, you can if you work for or are related to anyone who works for a corporate sponsor, and that is where they will hand out an unbelievably massive amount of tickets. Very possibly. The season ticket holders for the Orlando Pride will also get free tickets to the entire day. So not only will you be able to see the Legends game to go to all the different stuff with your family, but you'll also be able to go to the game based on your, you know, so think about this. If your season ticket is like a $25 ticket and you don't want to go to the game because, oh, you know, it's 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 in Daytona on July 4th weekends and traffic, whatever. But you can sell that ticket for 100 bucks. Yeah, I don't know who is paying 100 bucks for that. It's it's not okay, so think about this. It's not just the game. It's a pass to the entire day. Yeah, I think you're you're just a lot more optimistic about how much people are going to want to care about the entire thing than I am. Yeah, I mean, again, if you're if you're going to see a Chance the Rapper concert, tickets for those are usually somewhere in that vicinity, probably, right? Maybe. Uh, uh, tickets are t- t- tickets are uh, a hot mess for any sort of musical performance over the last like decade. Yeah, it's, that's uh, true. It's, it's been a sore spot in the music industry. I know, <laughs> so. I don't know. I don't know what they are for him. He he could be one of those the ones that that milks it and makes a an ungodly amount of money, or he could be someone who likes to keep him low. People to go. I just I don't know. Um, but I I think we we talked about a little bit earlier uh, before the show that there's there's some controversy and some issues with it, and like beyond the fact that I just I just think the event itself is a is a big giant shoulder shrug. Because there's you, you would have to do a lot to get me to want to go to Daytona Beach on the Fourth of July weekend. <laughs> like you, an NWSL match at the Daytona Speedway is not moving the needle there. Mm. So, but but like an MLS match is neither. Like like sure. you've got to you've got to do ten times what they're doing to get me to go. If I was into Chance the Rapper, maybe it would be something that I would consider. I think maybe that's going to be a way they're going to get some people. But the the bigger thing is just the competitive loss of a home game. Like that sucks. That's that's not great. So For- again, I think that that's what a lot of fans are saying. Like, oh, why are you taking a game away from Exploria? You know, why why are you doing something like this? And it's it's simply because the opportunity was there, and they want to be able to to market to, to people that they wouldn't normally be able to market to. Oh, there's gonna be there's gonna be so many more people at that game than there are at the average Pride game, which I think right. is unfortunate. But and here's the other thing: people are like, "Oh, this is such a weird concept. Like, why are you doing something like this? Like, do you do you forget that there are times where other sports will do something like this, where like hockey will set up a, a rink in a in a baseball stadium." Or college uh, basketball will play on the uh, U.S. naval aircraft carrier. All right. Like, so there's a, there 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 uh, a couple things that I would give you that that are a little different. I think the more apt comparison is something like the when the teams like the Jaguars go play in London every year. I think that's a more more apt comparison because that's that's a team giving up their home games. When you see the things in in the NHL, wherever they're played, it's in the home the home city of, of whatever the home team is. So like next Not year, for example, next next year, for example, the, the, the home stadium series is at Fenway park and it's Boston and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Sure. So like, I'm going to that because it's, I, I've never been to Boston and it's the Penguins and it's Fenway and I've never been to Fenway. So that'd be really cool. So I, so I, I do think that is, that's a little different. And then I think with college basketball, a lot of those things are like invitational, games or tournaments and not just at an average regular season like you know conference game no no it's understandable 
I'm with you on that. But from both Jared Dillon and Chairman Mark Will, they are looking into options of possibly bussing season ticket holders to and from the game so that they do not have to drive and figure out parking on July 4th weekend. Just, like, for a game that's not going to really matter, like, you you want to do that for a playoff game, like, bussing fans. Like, I think bussing fans the game is is cool, but even then, like, yeah, you're going to get some of the diehards that'll go, but they're pretty much the only people that go to the home games anyway. So, so what is your what is your suggestion then, Kyle? What what should they do? Don't don't go play in Daytona. I I think that the opportunity was there for them to take. Yeah, I, I get I get why they took it from a from a club ownership and like just a team management. Like from a non sports aspect of it, it's a it's a great move. It's going to be good marketing for the team. It's gonna and it's be, a it's a televised they, game. It's not on Paramount Plus. It's on CBS Sports Network. They're going to benefit from this monetarily. Like this is a I get I get it. I get the move. Uh, and it's that, it's a fa- it's a family angle. festival as well. So you're going to get families that have never been exposed to an NWSL game before to be able to see the pride and racing the well let's not talk about necessarily what's going to be on the field uh we don't know exactly how those teams are going to look just yet uh hopefully yeah, well, they'll be uh, better yeah that's the other thing too it's just not going to be on paper at least as of right now does not seem like it's going to be a very good game so things can change hopefully the sure. pride will will come out of the gates running and be very competitive in that game but i think it's it's a unique opportunity for them um they did say that they will look into possibly doing this more often if the opportunity presents itself or depending on how this turns out. You know, it's kind of going to be a case-by-case basis where they'll play this out, see how it goes, and, and kind of weigh their options for next time if there is one. Yeah. I mean, this is only this is, this is 45 minutes from, from Orlando. Uh, it is not going to take anyone... It is not going to be that quick. That's how. That's on Fourth of July it, weekend. You mean? That's how long it takes to get to Daytona if you're driving at four a.m. and there's no cars on the road. It took me forty minutes to get to the press event on Tuesday. What time of day did you go? Like noon. You on I four? Yeah. Uh you. You must have been on drugs or something. <laughs> no, it was a very easy and smooth ride. Oh, you you also you you live north of the city of Orlando though. Like it's uh, honestly yeah, the worst the worst parts yeah, of, the true. worst parts of I four are are down the Disney area down by the interchange area at Champions Gate and then getting up through um up through downtown yeah, up yeah, to yeah. Winter Park for, area. for so where the, you are it would probably take about that for anybody that lives in like the city of Orlando or any of the south. areas like south of it the, it's yeah. a it's a mess uh, but true. still. D- Daytona. Anytime there's an event going on in Daytona, like a big event, especially like any of the races, Daytona is an absolute mess, and you don't mm. want to be there. Fourth of July is already going to be crazy, and then you're, you know, adding this this other event on top of it. It's not just like a typical. We're just going to Daytona for the holiday. Yeah, no, thank you. Yep, I I can, listen. I can understand everybody's frustrations with it, and those were kind of some of the questions I asked. You know some of the <laughs> some of the folks at Orlando, and it's just like, are you know that you realize when you're doing this, and like, you know, I know you guys aren't necessarily from the area, but locals may not be too enthused about it, and they're they're going to do as much as they can to try and help with that. And yes, you are you are losing a game that is at home, but if you truly want to, you can sell your tickets and. Uh, possibly make a profit out of it i don't know um again it's something unique and different and and i give them credit for trying it whether it works or not is still to be determined and we'll see in in the very early part of july which is just over a month's time (sighs) i will tell you though daytona is massive being there and seeing all of it and getting to drive around it the 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 just sheer size of it really is just daunting anyways shall we move on to the orlando city b game yeah 
the only team that technically won. <laughs> and the only game I didn't watch. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a remote camera setup, so there there were it's a struggle to watch some of those games. Um, I feel bad for the commentators that also watch those games, to be completely honest. It's it's tough, man. It's really tough. Orlando, City B, finished nil-nil. Officially, the game ended in a scoreless draw. And Orlando finished with 10 men because one of their players, um, Eric Gonera, got a second yellow in the 68th minute. That is also his second second yellow of the season so far. So that's tough. Now, Orlando survived the last 30 minutes. They had uh, actually a number of saves off the line in the, like the last couple minutes of the game where they they just had to scramble defensively. Like Javier Otero was, was knocking balls away. Uh, David Bacuzzo, who was the captain for the game, was like clearing balls off the line. Le- uh, Liam Gusky was knocking balls out down with his chest and like clearing them. It was mad. It was just really crazy. New England probably should have scored. And they didn't. And so it goes to penalties. And Orlando, they um, they don't go first. It was New England that goes first. Um, they miss their first penalty. Then Orlando scores. New England scores, and then OCB's newest player, Nasir Acosta, who is the nephew of Sebas Mendez, uh, hit his penalty poorly, and it was saved. Then New England scores. Then Orlando score. And then Pierre Caillé for New England has it completely missed. He just skies it. Poor penalty. Then Orlando score, New England score, and then Orlando through Alejandro Granados score the game winner. They win 4-3. That was a fun game because it was right after Orlando lost 3-0. So OCB winning on penalties was a nice kind of gesture to all the fans that ended up sticking around after that as a kind of thank you. Now, um, what was really cool is, you know, Oscar Pereja's son, Diego, started in the game, uh, played most of it. I think he came out kind of towards the end. But he stayed for the whole game, and he, he watched his son play. And that was that's just really kind of interesting uh, when you have your, your dad, who is not only just your dad, but also, like, technically your, your superior coach, kind of judging your skill and your ability. Definitely a little bit maybe uh, added pressure, but Diego played well, kind of in that defensive midfield role, like a like a Sebas Mendes or a Cesar Araujo, and he's only twenty one years old. So, you know, if he keeps it up, maybe he gets uh, some opportunities down the line with uh, with Orlando City. But that that is way down the line. As of now, OCB uh, they are undefeated in penalty shootouts this year, and currently are actually doing really well in the standings. All things considered, they've only won a game. Just just one, which was their first game. Outside of that, they've lost two and drawn two. So, normally speaking, that would mean you have five points. But, when you win in penalty shootouts, you get an extra point. So, OCB has seven. Currently one point out of the playoff spot through five games played this year. And to add to it, their game this weekend was canceled. <laughs> uh, not canceled, postponed. Uh, Rochester, they were supposed to travel up there for Rochester's home opener. Rochester dropped the ball and did not have their field ready in time because they're trying to build a, not temporary stadium, but it was like one of those kind of adaptable stadiums with like movable seating and, I, I guess it just there there wasn't a lot of preparation like that there was a lot of stuff that just wasn't fully done and so because of that they didn't play or at least they won't be playing 
I the love game, the game. It. The game was postponed to like July. I love that this is a serious, real league that cancels games for hey, listen, various listen. reasons. Postponing and, games and it's happened and, in MLS and has their own bullshit. Oh, we're gonna have every game be a penalty shootout because this is American soccer in the '90s, and we have to get the the peasants to watch our. No, sport. no, no. Listen. They're not doing the 90s penalties where they run up and go 1v1 to the goalkeeper like they do in hockey. It's a traditional penalty shootout. I know. I'm just, I just I wasn't meaning in the exact – I meant the mentality of – Yeah, yeah like, I know, I know, I know. We've got to make it flashy. We've got to – It's it's something about, like, I think in their official press release they said it's like it's, you know, to, to, to really nail home the finality of games or something. Like all games need to matter. Yeah, players. most 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 American sports fans are too stupid to understand the concept of a tie in a game. <laughs> j- it, it is because that is the number one complaint I hear about soccer. First, they they'll, they'll bitch that the players flop. Uh, that that tends to be a pretty common one, but that's also like they, people complain about basketball for the same reason. But people watch basketball, so like the reason people will not watch soccer. The the and I understand this is completely anecdotal, but <laughs> the the number one reason I've seen people give for not watching soccer is that the games end in ties, and games can't end in ties. How dare they? Well, it's just it's just, just uh, technically. Listen, technically, technically they do. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Let me say something nice about this league because mm. I am very critical of it. I still think it's it's we're doing this whole MLS like the the equivalent of the Premier League two, but we're we're doing it completely ass backwards. I will say, being able to have double headers like this are really neat Mm. because you're getting a lot of people that are now. I think if Orlando city had won, you would have had more fans there staying for OCB. Yeah. I would, but I I think it would be really cool to, and I understand this is down to the leagues, which is again, where when you're running these as two separate leagues, it becomes hard for you to do. But if there is, if there is a youth league that's being run by MLS and every club has their youth team, every home game should be a double header. Every home game should either be preceded by if it's a late game. So if the game is if the game is the evening, then you have an afternoon game of the the B teams, mm-hmm. or after if it's an early game. I think logistically, there's no reason why it can't happen. I think I think that is going to be one of your most effective ways to help grow the sport. And otherwise, you're not getting people to go watch these B teams. It just doesn't happen. Like nobody's going out of their way to watch OCB, and that's not a knock on OCB that's just they're the youth team like it's very rare that you're going to find someone that doesn't cover the team that's going to want to go watch that and so I I think if you if you want to really grow MLS if you want to grow the the concept of youth teams in a professional soccer league which is unique to soccer in the American sports system, I, maybe baseball's farm system is somewhat, but they're not. They're not bringing in like teenagers into a youth academy, so it is still different. Mm. So, but I think I think if you want to grow it, that's that's how you really do it. But it's not. They want to have MLS Next Pro Plus by Disney, purchased by Elon Musk. <laughs> and they want to they want to have their cake and eat it too, and it's all this crap about you know we're we're gonna talk about how we want to go the game, we're gonna talk about all this stuff, but we're gonna Listen, do whatever the hell we want. I, I think I don't. It, it's okay. Like I like I, 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 you and I have different different opinions on this, and I, I get it. But no, I, no, I, I'm I'm I wouldn't say I'm in the same mindset, but I can understand where you're coming from. I think that give it a few years, and maybe they'll figure out what they're doing. But right now, and I I was kind of in the same mindset, like. They're trying to get this off and running in a year. Like there is going to be just just horrible, horrible growing pains. I just but but what is there to figure out? Like that's the part that frustrates me is is there's nothing to figure out because like this is done all over the world. Like this is not Yeah, but <laughs> none it's, of it's, this it's is doing it and it's doing what is done around the world in an American market. And that and that's but that and trying that, to like, do it in the European market, I don't think will work. It just like, just trying... copying and pasting is is not I feel like they tried that before. I, I don't think they did. No, I don't because they had I, they had the MLS Reserve League, which ran exactly the way that European leagues ran. Yeah, but MLS it was just but, reserve leagues. 
MLS being run the way MLS does also helps contribute to the issues of a reserve league not getting any of the but also like yeah. what is what is the objective of a reserve team for a club if the objective to, to of grow reserve the players team, so who gives a shit who's watching it yeah. and that's that's because honestly like that's so the hardcore you, it, fans will watch sure right which is which cool and i think it should be made available for them in the same way that if i want to watch the manchester united u18s i can pay for uh mutv and i can pay like 20 bucks for the year and i can watch like a shitty camera feed of the u18s uh, 18s and i do because i'm a sadist and i like to watch who's gonna let me down in five years from now but like people are going to do that so i don't understand why we then have to make the b teams their own league and give them their own like this own complete like it's kind of separate, but it's also not. But it is. It's its own thing. It's a real league, but also it's a development league. But also we're going to add other teams that aren't development teams. But also we're going to have all the development teams, except not all of them, because some of them are in this other league, which is also maybe a development league, but maybe not. Like, But that goes to, and we've talked about this a lot before, Like the whole the whole American soccer pyramid is a complete, complete, just absolute shit show. And it starts from the top, and it goes all the way down. There is no every single startup league that happens is purely existing with the idea of we want to establish ourselves as a thing and the only one that has succeeded has been mls and mls has a stranglehold on it and all of these other leagues are constantly having to rebrand and retool because there is no coherent vision for what a, a pyramid of soccer in the United States is going to look like. And U.S. soccer is just going, oh, fuck it. We'll figure it out. You guys figure out what you're going to call yourselves, and we'll come up with whatever tier you're in based on uh, you know, whatever we feel like for the day. Like, the whole thing the whole thing is a mess. And, and MLS Next Pro, like, I know I know, give them a lot of crap. And I, while I do think it's deserved, I don't think it's entirely their fault because I do think it's a, it's a sim- symptom of a much larger problem. Fair enough. Again, I think down the line we'll we'll kind of see what this league actually is, but I I, I do agree with some of your points there. That's because I'm always correct till this. No, no, Kyle, no. All right. Well, we spent a lot more time talking about the B team than I thought we would. So, what do you say we wrap things up with? Where are they now? Where are they now? Who are we going to talk about today? It's James O'Connor, former Orlando City player and head coach. James O'Connor was in charge of the team through half of 2018 and 2019. Um, not favorably remembered, but uh, some in the eyes of the the older days back as a player uh, was remembered quite favorably. Uh, what is he up to lately? Well, he was just named the full-time president of Soccer Holdings, which fully oversees Racing Louisville, Louisville FC, and the youth academies and their facilities. So he has graduated from an interim president after Brad Estes left to now full-time president of everything soccer in Louisville. So that is where James O'Connor is now. Congratulations to the president of soccer, James O'Connor. Yeah, he is the president of soccer holdings. Now, it's time for weird news. Kyle, do you have weird news? Oh, I do. We skipped this last week, and it, it hurt my soul, so I, I've got one for you. Here we are. Um, Go for it. A gravity-defying act. Man stacks seven M&Ms to break previous Guinness World Record of six. The feat to beat the world's tallest stack of M&Ms has reached new heights after an Iraqi man balanced seven of the chocolate candies. Apparently, the the previous record of six was set last October. Uh, there's a video of it. The man has like little like finger condoms to use. It, it's wild. I actually <laughs> have to send this to you because you you don't want to go look at this. But this is uh, yeah. Oh, oh, he also currently holds the Guinness World Record for the most balanced eggs on the back of his hand at 18. That's actually pretty impressive. That is impressive. Well, I also, like, the stacking M&Ms is super impressive because, I like, M&Ms are, are like, I had a little fun-sized pack of M&Ms that, that while we've been recording, I've been trying to stack them, and I can't get more than, like, <laughs> I get, like, two, and then I try to put the third one on, and, and they fall over. Yeah. 
All right, so maybe it's a bit more impressive than you thought it was. Oh, I don't think I ever said it wasn't impressive. It's just weird. Oh, yeah. I didn't know there's a Guinness Book of World Records for the most I mean, I'm stuck. There, there is a Guinness Book of World Records for literally anything you can think of. All right, here is, is my weird news, Kyle. A Welsh woman has married her pet cat in a bid to stop her landlord from separating them. Anyone fighting a landlord, I support 100%. A woman has married her pet cat in a bid to stop future landlords from separating them. She claims that she previously had been forced to rehome three animals by landlords who did not allow pets in their properties. Now she's facing eviction and she's terrified of losing her five-year-old cat, India. Uh, she held a civil ceremony on April 19th to tie the knot. Uh, she is a single mother of two, and she hopes to her commitment will show future landlords just how important it is for her that they stay together. So imagine her two kids now having to call their pet cat dad. I also am convinced when she calls herself a mother of two that that's just two other cats. No, she has children. I mean, I think she thinks she has children. They're probably cats. Um. Mm. Also, there's like no way that holds up in a court. Well, it is Wales. It's actually Maybe. London. Oh, oh, never, never mind. Nah, she's. It was Wales, southeast like... London, specifically. But you could like marry a sheep in Wales and get away with it. Cat, it's sheep adjacent. I, I, I guess. I had a group of my friends from the ceremony. They all think I've gone batshit crazy. But we all had a lovely day. <laughs> My kids weren't there. They just Gee, think that I wonder mommy has, why. She, she just says they think mummy has lost the plot. Yeah. Yeah. No, she has. And so why did she's a single mother? Mm. That is just, you know, there are so many weirder things that people do in the world, but, or worse things, I, I guess at least. But yeah, it's a little, it's a little whack. guess it certainly sets a precedent. Also, the cat just looks completely terrified. In all the photos. <laughs> oh, Lord. Wouldn't you be if a woman <laughs> tried to marry you? I, I, I guess, yeah. If, you, if I was a cat, sure. Well, that's some weird news. Definitely. You got any red cards, Kyle? Um, what, man, the last one, what did I do? It was the, it was the playing advantage for Batman, I believe. Hmm. Uh, which is always a good one to just re-up because I watched it again and I, I definitely have reaffirmed my belief that it's the best Batman movie. And now it's, there's it, another it, one. Yeah, and they announced a sequel, which is dope. Um, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna play Advantage to, to something this week instead of, instead of pulling a red card. I'm going to do multiple weeks of playing Advantage. I'm play Advantage to the Steam Deck. Mm. I got mine, got mine recently. I've been enjoying it. It's pretty cool. I uh, I accidentally bricked it earlier, yep. but that was because like there was a known issue, and I I did the thing you weren't supposed to do, mm. and like in order to do like in order to update, you, you're not supposed to update the the latest OS update from the desktop mode. You're supposed to do it just from the regular Steam OS mode, and in order to f- even find the update in desktop mode, you have to like click on a bunch of things. So like I absolutely like had to go out of my way to do this stupid thing. So it just I just had to to I have to wipe my like reset my thing. Supposedly it'll keep all my stuff installed. But I just have to go ahead and do that. I just don't have a USB C dock at the moment, so I've got to find one to be able to fix that. But I played a lot of fun games on there. There it is the perfect emulation machine. I'm actually working on an interview with someone who put together a uh, thing called the Emu Deck, where you just put all the different emulators, everything all the way from the original Nintendo all the way up to the Nintendo Switch which Nintendo Switch emulation is functioning. I was able to play a few things to test them out, including Breath of the Wild and mm. Pokemon Legends Arceus, as well as some PS3 games, some PS2 games, obviously some classic Game Boy Advance. So I think the Steam Deck is is now the ultimate gaming device, both for anybody that just enjoys playing games that are on Steam, because Steam games are typically way cheaper than buying on a console, but you no longer need to own a PC a, a, a beefy PC to play them um, but also it, it, it's the perfect emulation machine so very very excited I love mine and when my shoulder heals and I, it's easier for me to carry it around and play it it will be coming with me everywhere fair I guess keeping on the video game theme uh, I'll play Advantage to Lego Star Wars because I just got it and have played 
and it's fantastic. It is it is so good. I wish I had more time to play it though, because I've only gotten through episode one. Yeah, I've I've I haven't finished either. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, Kyle, I think we'll call it a day. Um thanks to everyone who tuned in for another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. For Kyle Foley and for uh Gavin Eubank, who did not make it because he's too busy eating food. Uh hashtag fire Gavin. My name is Austin David. Thank you very much for tuning in. We will see you next week. You're dirty brown water trash, and you're always going to be dirty brown water trash.